You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is the podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hey, hey. Hey, Daytona 500 week, Brad Wren. Hey, everybody. Happy Daytona week. Not happy for me yet, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. Hope everybody's going well. Bobby is John Curley. Hey, iRacers. Man, get ready for Daytona if you haven't done it yet. On today's show, we break down Tony Gardner's interview with Mike Straw. Take a deep dive into the mid-season iRacing build update from Greg Hill and find out if you know who won the very first eNASCAR race. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products that we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com. Select show notes. We hope to see you there. topic of the day is the iRacing interview and I'm kind of envious quite frankly that this guy got this interview uh, but it's very, definitely quality content and we can recap it yeah Mike Straw is from uh, Insider Gaming he actually has a really nice uh, website where he covers gaming obviously and what's happening inside the industry and so he's obviously uh a good person to talk with uh, the CEO of iRacing, Tony Gardner. And I went through and watched the video, uh, the entire interview on the YouTube channel. And I took some notes. So let's go over the, some of the highlights of that YouTube. He said they doubled the staff during COVID, increased now to 130 employees. Continuing to progress. Well, well let me stop there for a second. Think about a gaming studio. That has 130 employees. That's a lot. I would think, you know, when you're developing software, you can only have so many, you know, hands in the pot. But wow, that's, they got a lot of stuff going. Oh, well, from, I mean, listen to the interview, it's, there's lots of different departments, is what it seems like. So there's, you know, everything is pretty segregated uh, into different areas of development. Yep. He said they continue to progress with graphics improvements and they've come a long ways, but they still have a long ways to go. He talked about the damage model project and how they really wanted to stick to it being realistic more than anything. Next, we actually got confirmation. No more hashtag soon, guys. Rain and weather is confirmed in the March build. He actually said it out loud. He said they actually could have released it in December, and they decided to wait a little bit and he, that they may have over-engineered it a bit. Um, nobody's ever done rain in a racing game just like this. He said for the next year's Daytona 24, your team will definitely be worrying about if it's going to rain and stuff like that. He talked uh, a bit about the popularity of the Coke series and how it's grown over the recent years, the prize pool. How is that successful? You know, basically, he kept saying the 40 drivers are really the best in the world, and we have the best NASCAR simulator. 
and of course, a, a great partner in NASCAR. Discussion about AI and how they've really developed it well, but there's nothing else around it. Um, they don't have a career mode because the focus has always been on multiplayer. So that's the next step of the evolution, building a career mode. This is already in full development. They have a dedicated team on it, and we'd like to have it out next year, hashtag soon. So let's stop there and talk about that. That's a big uh, nugget of news, guys. Yeah, so, I guess... Um, go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I guess um, as far as this this build goes and the... the um, career mode goes you know they've done ai now for a while and i think they're getting pretty decent at it and i guess it's pretty much just a logical next step for ai is to have a career mode i don't know if this is going to affect uh you know the online series stuff where you're racing against real people or not but it seems like it's more geared towards the ai type of deal which I don't know. I guess that's what drew me to iRacing to begin with was it was racing against real people. You know, the years of racing against AI just becomes just not enjoyable. They, you know, I mean, years ago, they were very predictable and what was going to happen. Um, I don't know. I, I guess just for me, I don't see it as a big draw to have a career mode. Yeah. I. Sorry, John. I was going to just say the nostalgia of iRacing has always been the multiplayer. You're racing not a computer, but other people. And so I'm kind of with Brad there, but can you imagine you open the, the, the beta UI and you have a button at the beginning, a, a one way or the other? Do you want to play single player or multiplayer? And you put the button and it puts you in the right place. And so I imagine if you pick single player, it would take you on this whole other path that's more like a video game more than anything that is nothing like iRacing. No, I think that appeals to console gamers, you know, career modes, but I just don't see the iRacing crowd flocking to uh, a career mode with AI. Yeah, I mean, for me, the career mode is what, what you do in the multiplayer. You know, as you progress through the license le licensing levels, you're, you're building your iRating, your SR, you're, you're advancing through series. You know, to me, that's, that's the iRacing career. There was some discussion on the forums is, is there a way to integrate career mode into real racing with real people and the multiverse uh, with multiple people? Like the license progression, you know, we all kind of feel like that's been a joke recently, you know, because you can get to a license so easily. Maybe that gets reworked into some kind of career mode where you end up with different like licenses think about uh you know road racing licenses you have different levels uh, platinum gold silver i don't think they're ever going to do that though because the whole point of fast track was to allow them to basically make more money yeah i mean when the service started and some of us that have been around for a long time i mean you were in there for 13, 12 weeks i mean that's what it was there was no fast track Okay, other items they talked about was discussions about acquiring the NASCAR license for console. A complicated three-way deal that has been working out for actually a long time. That was the ultimate goal to get it for iRacing. It, uh, they bought Monster Games as a first step to acquiring it. He gave kudos to Motorsports Games saying they wanted what was best for the community by making sure that we got the assets. They increased uh, the Monster Games from 20 to 35 people for the effort. 
there's engineers on loan from iRacing to them, and they're obviously using the cars and tracks that iRacing already has. They are going to bring all current NASCAR tracks and iRacing up to spec visually, graphically, um, and updated that they import these into the console. So iRacing's NASCAR tracks are getting updated because of the NASCAR console game. That's cool. I mean, that, uh, that way it's getting driven by that, and it's going to happen on all of them. Um, when he asked about trading paints type integration into the console, he said it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But I have to believe that you'll be able to paint cars in that, that program. I mean, if you look at the, the kids that play console games, they, they like to go in and modify and paint you know their their equipment so i'm, I'm sure the, the you know the console game itself is going to have some kind of ability to to uh paint the car is there a uh, ability to do that in the world of outlaws game i don't know um, yeah, i'm not sure uh, i'm not sure i played it over a friend of mine's house but i pretty much jumped in and raced um so i don't i i think you can paint a car it's just not going to be integrated with trading paints that's it's the diff key difference there I don't know. I'm excited if we're going to get you know updated tracks uh, on the oval side. I think that's 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 a big win for for us. Hey Mike, I, I want to jump. I'm going to jump back real quick to one last point I wanted to make about the career mode. The one thing that career mode could um, introduce in iRacing that that a lot of people complain about is that you know there's no consequences right now. You can you go out and you just you do something dumb. You destroy a car, a bunch of other cars. You just hop into the next session with a brand new car. They could it could bring in some kind of uh, monetary type of uh, stimulation where you know destroying a car has actual you know deterious effects where you know it has a has a consequence to it that's the only thing i can think of as far as career mode that 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 could help maybe drivers get better i don't know but would that apply prize money would that ever apply to um, the online the, the, the multiplayer stuff right right that's that's the one thing i'm not sure about no, but imagine you're in a career mode and you're in the Hendrick team because you don't wreck cars and you and you perform well. But like if you wreck in cars every every day, you know you're with Carson Hosevar over at Spire. Right, and maybe your maybe your car's not quite as good that way. Right, right. The car's not quite as good, and so there's a detriment to, to wrecking your car all the time. I see what you're saying. Right, right. There, there's some consequences to poor driving. You lose your de your driver deal, and you have to find a new team. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So moving on, they're open. They are open to talks of doing an IndyCar game at some point, but basically said he doesn't want to bite off more than they can chew, insinuating that that he can't take on the IndyCar IndyCar game while doing the NASCAR game. They didn't want to do the same thing that Motorsports Games did and get overloaded. Okay. Smart, smart, smart. I love hearing this guy say that because, look, I'm sure IndyCar is like, take our money, take our money. We want an IndyCar game. And they're like, wait a minute, we don't want to mess up. Well, I think we all know that iRacing has never been about doing something super fast. Yeah, good point. It's all about quality, right? Um, finally, a more to come on the World of Outlaws franchise, hinting that they're not a one and done with that. They're going to have some follow-up game or something sequel um and then discussion about the uh, upcoming game 
um, I wrote here Xross. I, I don't. I don't know. It's Exocross. I think is what it's called. A futuristic off-road fantasy driving game. Uh, he spoke very highly of it. Super fun to drive, but that's still coming this year as well. Yeah, I remember when they first acquired that and watching some of the videos and being really impressed by the car physics of that game. It was really cool, even if it is, if it is like a fantasy type of game. But we also talked in a story not long ago about how popular some of these fantasy type games are, you know, where it's it it removes it takes you so far out of reality that it, it's a little bit more interesting in a different way. Yeah, this reminds oh. me of the old console game. I think it was called Euro X or something. That was, you know, futuristic, not not real at all. But it's a lot of fun and to drive uh, those cars. And I'm, I hope this is the same way. Now, if you, if that wasn't enough of an update, Greg Hill, who's the executive producer of Graphics or something like that. Um, he put out a huge update and so we're going to read this kind of like we re read the release notes where everyone just jump in where you can if you see an item that we we should uh, spit out loud here i guess before we get into that his list let's talk about this one item that he mentioned in detail and that's the split to the road license and so um this is huge news too so we we've had two licenses forever and then we went to four when dirt was added and now we're going to five so the original road license and all the stats associated is going to be retired and then you're going to have um two new licenses basically um sports car and formula and op like open wheel or what they call it formula but the key differentiating uh, factor between the two is does it have fenders or not? So like in the forums, there was a discussion about the SRF car and it's kind of in between. And so they ended up with it being on the sports car side because it actually does have fenders. Well, I think this is a good move. Um, I mean, I can tell you someone who you know dabbles in road racing, not a ton, um, but they really are two disciplines. Um, and I agree with the statement. I think it was made is, you know, you get guys that are primarily sports car and decide to run a, a, an open wheel race. And if they've got a high IR, you know, they get into a car where they may not be completely capable um, or comfortable with it. Um, it just doesn't make for good racing um, and it deters quite a bit. Um, and I, I really think it does. I love it. I, you know, I like the idea that my license that I run the sports cars is different than the open wheel license. And I'm more apt to just jump in a race even if i'm not ready for that race you know and and because i'm not worried about that particular license and stuff and so i, I really like it for that reason they also put a, out a really nice faq as well uh, we have a link to that um somewhere in here somebody asked is 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 this going to happen to oval in the future somehow and the answer is no they're not looking into that because they have vendors well, oval, I think the split would be with short track racing and then everything else, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's why. Yeah, but where, and, but where do you draw the line on that? Is it a mile or is it less than a mile? Are we going to count New Hampshire as short track because it's you know it's a mile, whereas Dover, is that a short track or is that more like a super speedway? There's a whole – it's just too much – too many gray areas. Yeah, I, I agree. Again, it's – 
but speedway racing whether it's intermediate super or short track it's still oval racing um you know it's it's i wouldn't call it a different discipline as you as i think you can when it comes to sports cars and formula cars now your i rating in sr when the season starts will will be carried into these two new licenses um and so you'll begin at the whatever i rating you currently are at now new members that start after the season they'll start as rookies on these licenses and they'll they'll not have the hair the you'll see the road license retired it'll have the parentheses retired and it'll be there forever for reference all right now to the big kahuna i mean where do you start on this this greg hill development uh brad i think you said in the chat it's a long read <laughs> yeah it is i mean it's just a wealth of of information um you know the, the detail that he goes through you know with the release of rain uh what to expect uh, is huge um you know i'm excited um i think everybody really really wants rain until we actually have to drive in it <laughs> we probably won't want it anymore um i'm not i've never said i want it <laughs> no i know i'm not saying us specifically i mean it's been a big push um you know what i, I i'm encouraged because it seems like they wanted to take the time to get it right um and if it does the way that they that he says it's going to work i i it will be phenomenal because uh, there's no other sim out there i think that can produce this yes you could have rain but it, is it dynamic no um uh, it, it again my biggest concern as i said in our chat is you know i think everybody's going to want it till they till it till they hit it and they end up with about 10 frames per second and they're like oh my gosh well yeah that was hey, imagine look how turn one is in an, in an average road race and now you're going to put it on on wet tires as well yeah brad you alluded to this i mean what's this going to do to the frames the frame rate uh does this mean we're going to have to get bigger beefier computers or you know is is this are we going to be able to handle what this brings to us and i you know that's a big concern for me well wait let me give you the flip side of that and it takes a lot of frames to make really bright sunshine and clouds and and everything else that we're looking at on the screen they're just replacing it with something else that's gray and moving fat moving around more you know so is it really going to affect the frames? I don't know. In in, in yeah. hope, as a software development, you would say no. The frames should stay the same. It's going to be reflections, which you can turn off. That's going to be the biggest resource hog is reflections of the puddles. Right. I, I imagine this frame is going to have a lot of different toggles to to uh, make it run better. It's not just going to be one toggle. It's going to be probably a bunch of them. So what is supported it's every road course from day one is eligible for rain and um those cars okay are going to be limited to the 11 car field of endurance cars the gt3s the gtps the lmp2s plus the original three they announced uh, before the ff1600 the toyota gr86 and the f4 so that means the gen 7 car won't be getting rain at the road courses because it's not one of the cars yet but in the future it could be i guess it could but i mean i think honestly if you look at the the direction nascar is going i think they're trying to work away from this to some degree um 
I don't know. It just seems like anytime we've really had an opportunity to put cars on track when it's wet, they find a reason not to put them on track. But I, I was surprised with the, basically the full IMSA field. Um, you know, when this was originally talked about, it was talked about, you know, the Miata and, and a few of the lower class uh, road course road cars. So, um, you know, I, I super excited that you know IMSA will have this coming because it's again that's it's probably the most uh, world known series that you know where you're going to have racing in the rain. I'm happy to have the FIF. FIA F4 car as part of it and that's the car I kind of run uh, when I want to run those kind of cars and and um, that'll be my test bed at least now the biggest part is half you know half this article is about rain and how it works the other part is what else is coming so with tracks he said um, they're bringing in Misano the world circuit Marco Simoncelli is what it's called. Misano is in Italy. Um, yeah, it's coming, and he has some pictures of it. Yep, and, and we're going to get uh, All Gray, which is in Portugal, um, which looks good as well, along with uh, what they already alluded to earlier was the addition of Millbridge uh, Speedway in Salisbury, North Carolina. And to piggyback with Millbridge, uh, a dirt sprint car, a wing version and non-wing version, and that's going to be free content for everybody. SRX, SRX, uh, and then um, the SF23, which is Super Formula SF23. This is the little brother to the Super Formula they did before from Japan. Uh, speculation on why they're building these these Super Formula cars out is because they don't have the licensing to do F, uh, correctly F2, F3, and so forth, and F1. <laughs> well, I think you still need a ladder on that side of the, uh, the the series as well, which I don't think there they really probably was a very good open-wheel ladder currently. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, they're updating the IndyCar um, with modifications to the car model to bring it up to the 2024 season car. They're updating the Xfinity cars and um, trucks. And the trucks have a significant, extensive aerodynamic analysis, and it should see a significant update in June. Yeah, I'm excited, too. They're bringing in the Dirt Micro Sprint. Uh, I can't wait to take that around Millbridge. That would be great for that quarter-mile track. Yeah, that's a free card, too. So that would be awesome. I like it because... I suck at dirt and I need to go down in class and dirt, you know, like I need to go back to the beginning <laughs> and get in a tiny car before I get in these 305 and 410s, you know. Says the guy who won it freaking Bristol. Yeah. Next up, uh, onboarding interface preview. So if you're new to iRacing, you're going to have something that's uh, like a wizard that's going to kind of walk you through stuff, which, you know, iRacing's always lacked that, right? They, they've always filled the gaps, YouTube videos, instructional websites, you know, hearsay. John, you're, you're the newest one of the group. When you first started, were you like, what do I do? Yeah, I, I, I was like that, and, and you hit it right on point i mean I, i'm looking at youtube videos you know web 
web articles, you know, because uh, iRacing, I mean, they haven't done a bad job, but it was not an adequate job. And so I had to go to outside sources to figure out how to navigate my way around, you know, how this thing works. And so I think it's fantastic. iRacing is going to put this in so that the new people can just stay on uh, the UI and, and learn right there on the spot. YouTube wasn't even that big back when we first started. I really don't remember ha having it as a resource at all. Nope, not at all. So he puts up screenshots, two screens. So one of them is in-car and what it looks like in the future on the in-car. Now, the relative has a different style to it. It's kind of the same, um, but it's a different style. And then, uh, you know, the, the uh, tab button also looks a little different. And the flag up in the corner looks different. So they're, they, they've redone that, but also the, the actual beta UI is going to be completely redone. And they kind of showed what that might look like. Um, or no, not the beta UI. I'm sorry. The UI that you see when you're in the sim, but not in the car, you have the play button at the bottom, rewind, fast forward and all that. You have your camera views. So, so they have a redesign of that. Um, and what it may look like. What do you guys think of this look? I mean, it, it it's not bad. I think it looks good. I mean, it's cleaned up. Um, it's definitely more modern looking than what we've had for the last many, many years. Um, I mean, it's very similar to some of the overlays that you can now can grab erase labs and stuff like that. So I think they needed to do something. I think it looks good. Yeah. And Mike, I think, you know, they must have been listening to you on the show because, you know, you've mentioned that they need to, needed to do something with this UI uh, since they've they've cut off the, the old classic membership site. And I think this mm. is a definite improvement. You're you're kind of conflating two different things. He he's talking about this is this in-game interface, not not how you connect to the server with with the with the the application, but what actually shows up when you're in in the iRacing server already. Well, I kind of told so. Yeah, but I kind of took this to mean they were gonna they were gonna change that as well. Although we don't see any pictures of it. Uh, yeah, farther down, John. If you scroll down a little bit. You'll yeah. see a rebrand re of the actual beta UI. Yeah. Yeah. You can see it's the first step of the new racer onboarding interface and system. So I think they're doing both. Yeah. I will go ahead and admit since they've closed off the website, the uh, UI is in a lot better shape than it used to be. Um, particularly my biggest concern is getting into the races fairly quickly with those series that I regularly run. And that is actually taken care of with a little star button where you can set your favorite series. And so I actually do get into my races fairly quickly and getting the results up, um, is actually a little bit nicer, uh, than, than it was in the past. Yeah, as soon as you exit out, pop up, and there it is. So, again, well, coming coming back to the series, I mean, coming back to the service after being gone, you know, the UI was never launched before I left. Um, I, that's all I've known, and I, I don't have any issues with it at all. You don't even have to exit, uh, because I'll usually stay in the server and listen to the banter for a while, but I can, I can go peek. I can just click on the interface uh, and have a look. Uh, even with the iRacing still open, and it'll pop as soon as the uh, as soon as the result shows up, it just flashes a message at the top. 
I had a problem joining before they retired the website when I would join from the beta UI uh, occasionally. But that actually went away after they did, um, put away the website completely. I never had a problem after that. So I don't know what, what changed, but knock on wood, it's been okay for me too. Now, I notice he put in a good plug here for iRacing. He talks about iRacing still being a great value uh, for the money, you know, that they're going to add some with this free content uh, with with these changes, guys. What do you, I mean, I still think iRacing is a good value. I think it's inexpensive entertainment for us, a lot of fun. Um, so I'm, 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 t I'm reading into that that we're not going to see price increases. Well, I mean, look, let's be honest, the iRacing part of it is the cheapest of it all. It's the hardware that you spend the most money on. Mm -hmm. Yep. The, if you if you own every piece of content, you, it's $1,000 less than owning every piece of content in Digital Combat Simulator, where everything's sold as modules. See? A bargain. Guy math. Yeah, I have no problem with price. Even if they doubled the price, I would still have no problem with the price. Um, Look, people spend that much on Starbucks in a day than that I do in a month on iRacing. There's also discussion of future content beyond this build. Um, um, sorry, I, I just had it in front of me. Oh, here it is. Circuit uh, Navara, as well as the Sassen Ring Circuit, Oswego. Uh, they're planning a trip to the UK where they're going to scan two new tracks uh, in England. Um, they're also going to get going a long-awaited update to Spa, Frankishall. He so talks about this like uh, update to the uh, NASCAR tracks that we already covered. So, let me see if there's any more here. They're going to do updates to the supercars, um, the 11-car endurance series, it, they're going to be adding more cars. We're going to climb to 12, 13, 14, 15, and more. Um, and as they do that, the optimization team has been investing in improving performance, memory utilization, and multi-threading. So th this kind of talk is why I don't think the rain FPS thing is going to be a concern. Look, they wouldn't put it out here if if our computers can't handle it. Well, yeah, you, I mean, you're right. Uh because I mean, they don't want to lose customers because they can't afford to go out and buy a new two, three thousand dollar computer. They want to keep people racing. You can run on really low graphic settings on a really old computer, a lot lower than most games. You just have to really crank all the settings down. Yeah, and the good thing is a lot of those settings you, I mean, you don't need it. You don't really need the grandstand. You know, I mean, turn it off if it if it hogs up resources. I don't like to give up the grandstand because there's landmarks, but I do run with crowd off. So now, to wrap. Yeah. Sorry, David. I was going to wrap this up with a, a couple of Greg Hill ads that he put into the forums when people ask questions. And so one question was, will the weather be the same for all splits or does the dynamic do the work inside each split resulting in different conditions for every race? And and he said the weather will be the same for all splits on a get for a given race time. Okay, so given race time, which means I think it still goes back to the situation of you run a series all week long, 
And if a guy has one opportunity to run and it rains, I, I, uh, that's my concern. <laughs> but, wait, 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 it rains at 920 a.m. during that race. And every race the rest of the week, they nope, rain nope, at 928. Nope, nope. He said splits. Splits is what he said. Oh. Uh, there you go. Your one race, you could run at seven and have a rain race and run at nine and have a dry race. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Next question. How will Rovals work with rain? Is the track water only limited to racing services or could we load up Iowa road and attempt to race in the rain on the oval, skipping the road course and cones with a rain tire car? He said Rovals are in the road racing category and will support rain. So this was Nick Nieben trying to figure out a way of how to run an oval in the rain. <laughs> I don't know. That's all I got. Yeah, this is, like I said, I think this is between with the interview with Gardner and, and then the, the Greg Hill, um, you know, a, a huge update, <clears throat> huge update. Um, you know, I'm, I don't know how anybody could complain, although they'll find ways to complain. All right. Well, that definitely was the update section. Let's uh, move on into some of the actual racing. Brian, we have a new champion. Yeah, well, we have a new champion, and it's Aiden Forrester, who was uh, the champion of the World Outlaw Spring Car Series, and he received his goodies at the Volusia Speedway uh, in Florida, where they're starting up the new season for the World Outlaws in real life. Got his $10,000 prize check and uh, his trophy. Uh, so, yeah, so congratulations again to Aiden. Again, if you did not see the end of this series race, it was amazing. They finished in a, uh, a points tie, and Aiden Forrester won with one victory. So it was a, it was a great season for the World of Outlaws. Um, looking forward to next year because, uh, you know, we had uh, Alex Bergeron, who was actually dominated the wins for the season, but with a bad couple of races, uh, just did not did not pull out the, the championship. So, um, yeah, all these guys are coming back. Um, Aiden Forrester is just the second year in the series, so uh, still a young kid. You can see that in the pictures. He looks like so he looks so young. So um, congratulations and we'll look forward to next year. When I have the picture up on the screen here, Brian. First of all, this is one of the best trophies in sim racing. I love the the World of Outlaw trophies, okay? Uh, well, you got to say the Dale Jr. trophy for the Coke Series is probably the best one. But um, the other thing is <clears throat> Tyler Hudson's here holding the check. Uh, he looks he's looking kind of older uh, than I remember Tyler. I'm just jabbing at him a little bit. But uh but Aiden's a youngster for sure. And so the age difference between them is uh, obvious. And uh, congratulations to Aiden about that. Uh, I love the iRacing uh, hoodie he's got on. I got to get one of those. Or you could get an iRacer Sounds hoodie at our merch store. Continuing with real life announcements, Brad, we've got a retirement announcement. Yeah, so we had a, a post uh, on X from Tommy Ostgard uh, saying as of March 31st, uh, he's officially retiring from professional sim racing. Um, it kind of goes into the normal you know, retirement speech stuff. Uh, says he's not stepping away completely from sim racing, but just he will be doing it on a professional, you know, will not be doing it on a professional level. So um, I will claim ignorance, and I don't know who Tommy Ostgard is. So I'll let one of you guys fill the list. He's definitely a road guy, being he's with Coanda. 
He's yeah, been around he was for a long road, time. Uh, yeah, he was uh, really good in, when they had the jet car as their uh, the IRO one as that championship series. He was amazing in that thing. Wasn't he in contention in that uh, jet car? Oh yeah, I yeah. Was. I think he, I think he was one of those guys who won the most races but did not win the championship. Yeah, and then the Porsche series. I think he ran that as well. But anyway, it you know seems like a trend. Uh, you know, the professional sim racers stepping away because the demands of life. Well, you know, I remember when the poker craze came out. And I was, you know, I was raised on cards. And then I thought about these these guys that end up playing poker for a living. And I started to think I could, I could try that. But then I would like, I really wondered if I'd lose the fun of it. Point. If you're a Coke Series driver, you're grinding on sets all week long, right? And what did real drivers hate for so long? All the testing. Now, now they've gotten rid of the testing. They have to do even more media obligations, and that's for most of them. That's not why they do it, right? They they like going fast on the track. Yeah, I always I give the analogy. I, I collect baseball cards, and I decided that I wanted to get into buying and selling. Once I started doing that, I hated baseball cards, so I quit. Now I like them again. So you go, you go, and you're really good at it. you go pro, and you're like, man, I'm getting paid to play a video game. It doesn't feel like a game anymore. But this other guy is probably not retiring any time soon, is he, Mike? No, this guy's hot as can be. In the Coke series, we had week one at Daytona. Wyatt Hensley, a rookie, has been undefeated in 2024 Coke racing. He won the Clash. He won his Heat. And he won the big Coke event. And so uh, nobody's beaten Mr. Wyatt Hensley this year so far. Um Pretty clean race until it wasn't a clean race. <laughs> and then it was just caution fest after caution fest. Uh, pretty typical. Um, what did you guys think? I caught the, I got done with a open on Tuesday night and I was like, well, let's see what's left. And they were on lap 10. And then I think the checkered flag finally flew 30 minutes later. Uh, unfortunately, it's typical Daytona. You know, it was just crash after crash. Uh, as soon as you get to the green white checkers, um, didn't look much different than some of our, you know, Daytona races uh, that we've seen this week. True story. Um, looked like NIS racing. Um, yeah, I, I I'm a little miffed that the move the race up one hour, and so I like you. I sat down and I'm like, oh, there's 20 to go. I'm I'm gonna sit down for a few minutes and catch the end of this race. Well, that few minutes turned into 45 minutes. Yeah, the professionals are very professional sometimes. Well, it was always wrecking in the back, you know, like they have the cameras on the guys up front as they go green, and you kind of see a car in the background spin off and yeah it was it was kind of like that all right we have a um a really neat kind of half commercial half informative flyer from SimuCube. it breaks down in in detail the sim racing market trends in history it's interesting though when you look at the here are some of the high-end uh brands listed that that there's you'll notice a certain brand is not listed there but there's a lot of there's a lot of cool information on here, including the history, the statistics over the previous years, um, some of the lingo. Uh, it has like the top ten sims, and iRacing is at the top. 
I like the stat right at the top. It says the gaming simulator market is a uh, was a four point four nine billion, and it moved to a nine point nine nine billion market from twenty twenty to twenty twenty seven is what it shows, and um, you know it looks like they have data to support these. There's a little asterisk uh, citing research. But man, that's a that's a big industry, guys. Uh, right now, being you know, we're at somewhere above four billion, and it's going to go to ten. You know, within three years. I mean, that's a huge number. Huge. Yeah, they obviously must have looked at my bank account. <laughs> I don't know where they get that, but well, that's why these companies are releasing new hardware every week that we have these reviews a new wheel a new base new pedals because they're tapping into this money there's there's a lot to be had yeah i signed up for something with semicube and they sent this to me i think this is the kind of thing they send out to media people like looking for information like if they contact the company and they and you're a media person this is what they send you the other part I like about it, guys, if you go further down, there's a timeline of sim racing. And it's kind of like a historical timeline. Uh, I thought it was kind of unique. Um, they talked about the first video game, uh, sim, sim racing video game pole position was in 1982. Checkered flag, 1983. Then in 89, the Indianapolis 500 game. 92, we had Formula One Grand Prix. And and, it, and the list goes on. It's missing iRacing's uh, progenitor, I guess, would you say? Ancestor? It's not on there. Yeah, Was it, it 2003? Yeah, well, they don't have, I mean, NASCAR 1 and then IndyCar. I mean, that's what started all of it for Papyrus. They do show force feedback wheels were introduced in 1997. Direct drive controllers in 2013. I guess you mean in 1997, the force feedback was with the rubber bands. Right. And now uh, 2019, consumer direct drives. 2022, finally, force feedback pedals. And John, what's next uh, on this list? You always wonder. Yeah. I mean, you, we're always on this, you know, the search for the next best equipment, and um, which we're going to get into talk about some of that a little bit later. But, you know, we're always waiting to see what's next um and you know and you know they're going to keep developing more hardware for us because of the money we're going to buy it and they know it well we've been excited to cover it for the past few weeks but indy is back and it's basically the indy iRacing series instead of the nascar iRacing series so i guess you could call it iic or iis and we have a schedule out yeah, I noticed the schedule was kind of released about the same time that IndyCar announced where their season finale is going to be at Nashville Super Speedway versus the uh, the road course. So good timing on uh, iRacing's part. Oh, we just happen to have that track, and we don't have the road court, the street course, right? So it's NIS style time slots, guys. Um, kind of where you know where there's four a week. Well, there's and so. Is anybody going to run this on our team? I think Donnie, maybe Donnie, Colin, Donnie. I don't know. Not a, Probably not. Not, a, not an Indy car guy myself. So I I've thought about it because I do like to drive these cars, uh, but 
I, it, it, too many road courses for me. And we're busy. We, we have a full schedule of what we're doing already. So probably not going to run it. All right, John, how about a neat idea? Yeah, sounds, the Irish. I bet you this one's actually going to be your favorite based on what you just said. Yeah, well, so, yeah, we've got a, a guy that did a post. Um, whoops, I jumped the wrong one. So, yeah, Adrian Clark posted perhaps uh, the next master single track series, 12 weeks at Spa, 12 different cars, all in wet weather. Let's call it Rain Master. So this guy wants an all-rain series. Um you know, I, I get his point, good idea, you know, at first. But I, I didn't say this earlier, but I suspect this rain is going to be like a kid getting a new toy at Christmas. You love to play with it for a month, and then you put it away and say, that's enough of that. That's just, that's just my prediction on rain. Oh, that's what happened with the dirt trucks. And that's what happened with Mount Washington. Oh, and that's what happened with all kinds of stuff like that. You're probably right, but I love this idea. Uh, and and what better track than spa? You know, for for you know to run spa in the rain. Um, you know, to have it where it switches cars every you know uh, every week, like uh, some of these other series that we've been uh, putting together. I think it's a great idea. I think people are going to be looking for places to run in the rain as this comes out. Everyone wants to try it. And so you're looking at the official series and you're like, well, which one should I get in that I can run rain in? There's no guarantee on those official series that it's going to rain, right? So if you, you know, why doesn't iRacing put out a dedicated series that will specifically be raining and, uh, and let the guys have at it? Somebody else can have at it. I'm good. Well, you know, I've got an idea on this. You know, we, we've talked about, uh, the sim racing industry in the market. Uh, and you can get th things that create smoke. You know, you can get these wind machines. Is somebody going to come up with a rain machine so you can get wet when you're racing these things? Not a bad idea. <laughs> well, you know, that guy that, you know, the guy who puts the thing on his head and moves his head around, he'll come up with something. We talked about it last week that somebody was hunting for the, the first win, I guess, from from Dell Jr. So what do, yeah, what do we got up they here? Found it. Yeah, so they found it and they actually presented this at during the Coke race, uh, but pre-race, and um, and it's basically the very first you know Coke race ever, and it was Dale Jr. who won it, and they kind of do a little highlight video of it, and um, it's pretty cool. It, it's a little jarring to me. I kind of expected to see like an old school style YouTube, you know, that looks like it's 15 years old. But what this looks like is a brand new replay from 2024. So I think they they didn't uh, just uncover the video. They uncovered an actual replay that you can open up in iRacing. And that's how they came up with this video, I presume. Well, the, the race was back in 2010, so a uh, much older car model. Um, I don't know, for me, it was quite nostalgic just to see it. So that was, it was a pretty good, pretty good video. Yeah, that's the Gen 5 car, right? Yeah. All right. No pets allowed. There's a forum post, Matthew Weiss. He shows a sign of the Okiyama tunnel entrance that reminds you pets are not allowed. And it continues to show pictures that really show the detail that iRacing's art department will take. 
And I was like, that's, that's kind of interesting. So no pets, but what about um, service animals, right? What about your emotional support dog? I don't know. If you had a chance to go through this thread on the forum, it, it is amazing how much I had no idea. I mean, I don't go out exploring around these tracks. And I guess you, there's some guys that would do this stuff. It is phenomenal how much detail is, is in places that you'll never see when you're in the race car. Right. And they show a real picture of the actual track and then they show the iRacing version of it. So you can kind of get a side by side. And it's uncanny how it looks identical. Now we're looking at like stuff like buildings inside the track. And there's a little sign here pointing different directions. Like the restaurants this way, the clubhouse is that way. The medical center is this way. Like it all matches to a T. Yeah. I mean, there's even furniture inside the building. So, um, yeah, again, no idea. Had no no idea they got that in that detailed. They got 130 people working on it, you know. So I don't know. Maybe uh, I'd you, be willing to give up the chairs for a few extra FPSs myself. But, but there's somebody drawing those chairs and tables inside the buildings that nobody ever sees. There's somebody whose job is to do that. <laughs> All right, Brian, who got the job done at Hockingheim? Yeah, thanks, Dave. So uh, last weekend was uh, round two of the Porsche Tag Heuer um, Super Cups, Porsche Super Cup Series. And man, Sebastian Job is off to a great start for the season. He not only won the sprint, but he also won the main feature. So he's actually won three out of the four events this season so far, if you if you split the, the, um, the sprint race and the uh, feature race. So he is on a tear. So... Um, just a just a great start for Steve for, um, Sebastian Jobs and built himself a, a, a nice little cushion early in the season. Uh, they're going to be racing next week at Le Mans and, or at, on um, Saturday morning. It looks like on the seventeenth. So uh, so we'll see if he can can keep can keep up his dominance in this series so far. But man, he's off to an awesome start. He's always he's always seemed to have like sl these slow starts and then kind of come. Off late in the season but give him a big points lead at the beginning of the year and man this this season this this series could be over early if he keeps up this kind of pace i want to digress a moment david um or brian the guy who finished fourth mr johan harth i saw an interesting tweet from him earlier today i just wanted to read it out loud this poor guy um just a moment while i read this so he put he posted up on X. I'd appreciate if people could share this so people are aware I'm being blackmailed. There's no easy way to talk about this kind of stuff, but I need to do it because it's ruining me from the inside. I always thought private conversations would remain in the private sphere, and God, I was naive. I trusted the person, but I was wrong, and now I'm being held hostage with threats of sharing private content if I don't send a stupid amount of money. <laughs> Yikes. Now, what is that? That is crazy. I'm glad he kept that private. Yeah. Probably. Well, you wonder what the private content is that they're blackmailing him over. Uh, I wonder if he sent an, 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 an either wanted or unwanted, you know, uh, private picture. And, and now they're like, oh, that was a mistake. Look, he's a sim racer. 
and you're out in the public. It's like being, uh, you know, you can be recognized. People recognize that name. I recognize the name when I saw it on the script. I'm like, oh, I just saw this guy on Twitter and he just spilled the beans about being blackmailed. Anyway, I digress. Go ahead, David. Well, the next topic we, that we have involves a podium 500, which was going on. We had just not heard about it. Uh, but it's a tweet from Joy uh, Macy Wicks. And it's an update for William Hill 62 that said that while bump drafting the line leader, the car just fell right off. They, they lost their arrow all the way down to 150 miles per hour. They said a caution saved them. Then they had a minute and change of damage. So they just hit somebody a little too hard, I guess. Yeah. He watched this video, Mike, and I couldn't help but think about you last night in the 500. <laughs> I wonder if this is what was happening every time somebody was hitting you in the back. Massive checkups happening last night. And um, that's probably what happened. But what's interesting about this video is the, the whole front end breaks off and he hadn't just hit somebody. It, he was just up behind a guy and it just fell off. And so, but, but like you said, Brad, before that, he was probably banging somebody pretty hard to get it to break like that. Yeah. Cause he's pushing the leader. When you're pushing the leader, you don't really usually hit that hard, right? If you're third or fourth in line and they, usually it's around eighth or ninth in line where the checkup can just become a surprise. It happened to me last night where the car in front of me just literally slammed on the brakes. Well, the problem is, is you, you, you know, leader and the guy behind him are the, really the only, the, the, the guy in second's the one that needs to push. Anybody behind him, that there's no point in pushing. Where are you going to go? I mean, that's what we dealt with all week. You know, you're fifth in line and the guy's banging on the back of your car. It's like, dude, where am I going? I have nowhere to go. We didn't really have that issue. What, what actually happens is you, you, the gap opens up and then one car will, will close in that gap and not anticipate that they need to get off on the, get off of the gas sooner than they do. So they wait until they're literally already on almost on top of the car before they slow down and nobody else anticipates that. And that's where you get the crazy checkups from. Well, which is ridiculous. I mean, last night, you know, that the beauty of that is you can run half throttle and save gas and you don't have to be right up on the back of somebody. It's so easy to manage that. Yeah, and and even when you're closing the gap, you need to get off the gas before the gap is completely closed, and so that you will coast in into a tight run. Now, most of the time, the third place guy does need to run really close to, especially if you're trying to really get the optimal lap. So you don't want you literally don't want to push, but you want to sit like an inch from the bumper without touching. Is 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 what you go for? Yeah. All right, uh, John. We had a small patch. Yes, we did. Uh, so it's it's posted on the iRacing forums. There was a little bit of a patch. Apparently, there was a bug with some cars. Uh, the steering behavior of opponent cars, which would cause them to be in a different lateral position from their actual position. And what it did, it would cause phantom contact, which, by the way, I wish is what would have happened to me last night. Yeah, Greg and I netcoded last night. I showed you guys the video. Um, I... Greg was trying to get in line behind me. He was in the top lane coming down. He tried to time it. So, you know, he didn't, he came in right behind me. Well, as he came down and he was about a foot away, it started catching the back of my bumper. Like he was pushing into me and, uh, but he was still a foot away and it kind of turned me up the track and 
that we racked. Now, this patch was already out at this point. It was, <laughs> yes. And so, obviously, it didn't fix uh, our problem. That's my point. I think I said that in the uh, chat last night. I was like, well, that patch didn't take care of you guys. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. That was funny. All right, guys, don't forget that the time attack for Thrustmaster is still going. It has not run out. I know we got a couple of guys still trying to fight to keep him in that top 30. Ryan Curry just posted up an hour ago. He said he updated his time um, and hoping it's going to hold. Yeah, so this is going on until uh, March 7th. So still got a few weeks uh, to get up a good time. So um, I think we talked last week. I think I'll try to get another time up. I just don't think I've got much left in me. Uh, maybe a tenth. Uh, I, I can't get close to where some of these guys are at. Obviously holding it flat to get the times. Um, yes. Meaning can't. you can't lift at all. And I can't get through three and four if I do that. This next one is pretty exciting. Uh, iRacing has posted another sim to reality uh, note. So what we've got is through Racing Prodigy 1, there's a Mazda Spec MX-5 Golden Ticket Series, uh, which is going to have six Prodigy Pass winners that will get all expense paid trip to learn, train, and compete at Prodigy Week and have a chance to be drafted as a pro driver in the real-world PRL. It's got a nice little poster here as well. Um, and the official series is going to run from February 16th through April 7th. And I'm sure this is going to be as tough to get up there at the top to the top as Road to Pro is. Yeah, they did this, I think, maybe late summer or early fall last year. So they get time trialing in, uh, then they'll take the top a uh, certain amount, then they'll run a you know, a certain amount of races to, to kind of narrow that down. So I uh, watched some of those that were broadcast last year. It was pretty neat. Um, you know, I think, again, just a, another cool opportunity for, for guys to get an opportunity to see what they can do in a real car. I love the name of it. The Golden Ticket Series. You win a golden ticket. <laughs> this is um, pretty much the same thing they used to do with uh, Skip Barber a couple years ago. Um, but yeah, it's, it's now they're doing it with this uh, Mazda. It's pretty cool. I even think they did it with the uh, with the BMW many many years ago. The open wheel BMW car. I thought. All right, Mike. Is this thing another NIS style uh, series we've got? This is the iRacing Grand Prix Tour, and they're running the Formula One car, and they've announced a 2024 schedule. Um, now. I, I don't have anything besides a tweet, so I can't say if it's an NIS style, but I think it is. Well, it's 24 weeks long. Yep, and they've got time slots very similar to... Oh, they do. If you click on the image, yes, you can see time slots at the bottom. Unlike so NIS, NIS style. Yeah, unlike NIS, they have a fixed and an open version. Uh, what? NIS yeah. is fixed and open. I mean, I'm sorry. You're right. I'm, I don't know what I was thinking. My bad. <laughs> the times look to be European friendly, too. And so, I mean, what do you see as far as the tracks? It's mostly F1 tracks, but they don't have all of them. So they have other stuff like Long Beach, uh, Phillip Island, Virginia, VIR. No Monaco. A track that they do have, though, but not for, well, they, I don't know if you could run a Formula One car at this track or not. That would be, that'd be pretty scary. The Bothurst 12 is coming up. 
Uh, we've covered it. It's February 23rd through 25th. I'm not going to dive into too many details. Got to have that D 4.0 license, which really means you have to have a Class C license. I guess the only way you can have a D 4.0 license is if you have not run enough races as well to qualify because you have to run a certain number of races at at a class level to, to for the fast track to kick in so that's the otherwise you're already going to bump to c class anyway look if you're a d you don't need to be running the Bathurst if you're just coming off a d license that's the wrong race to be in don't tell john yeah, well, I, you know what? I'm not going to make the same mistake I did for Daytona. I've got my C license now, so and I and I have been practicing this track, and it it's a challenge because you got some downhill and it's narrow. Man, it's a narrow track. Well, there's there's and no run fly down that hill. They, fl I mean, you're probably going really slow, John, and they they really fly down that hill. I'm not flying yet. It'll be fun, man. We'll have a good time. Most of the time when you're flying, it's involuntarily. Uh, podcast housekeeping. I want to take a moment and give a big thank you to Mike Conti and everyone over at Team Conti Sim Performance for being with us the last few months here at iRacing's Lounge iRacers Lounge podcast. Uh, we appreciate uh, working with them uh, over the last few months as they launch uh, their new business. From what I've seen, um, the community has embraced them. Uh, it looks like they're one of the players to be in Road to Pro. Um, you know, if you're looking for sets for NIS and otherwise, uh, check out Team Conti Sim Performance. Uh, as far as other sponsors for the season, we're working one. We're hot on a trail of one. I didn't get it in time. I wanted it in time for tonight, but I, I did. I missed it by a week probably. But by this time next week, we hope to have a sponsor. So um, looking forward to that. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Get involved in the discussion at Discord and see our show notes at iRacersLounge.com and we're regular rotation at Performance Motorsports Network. Brian, let's talk fantasy, I guess, pre-fantasy. Uh, yeah, so uh, we uh, it's NASCAR time, so uh, fantasy season's getting ready to kick off. Um, I believe you can still register in the same ways that you did last year, which was under the um, iRacers Lounge podcast uh, um, Fantasy League. And uh, you can get registered on there and start making your picks uh, coming up this week. I made my picks. I didn't blow it and not not remember. I did actually do it, guys. And so uh, yeah, if you're listening. Yeah. Yeah, get involved. We've I don't know. Tony Groves is the last or yeah, last member of Tafosi who won this thing. So uh um it's been outsiders ever since. There's a big cool prize at the end of the year, which we're um, I'm not sure we're gonna announce it yet, but we already got something in mind, right, Mike? Yeah, there's definitely prizes um if you can win it. And so we're looking for a lot of more people to participate. We have eighty members right now in the league. And so I'd like to get that to a hundred. So if you're not signed up guys and you're listening to this, 
please, please jump on the NASCAR app and get involved. It only takes, you know, a few seconds each week to set your picks and uh, to see how it shakes out. You might win some. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Opening up hardware, we have a hydraulic throttle from Sean Cole uh, with Simpit. And this is interesting. I, I know I've seen a lot of people are playing around with load cell pedals, but for the most part, uh, it's usually just pneumatic dampers that go on a throttle. But th I guess this is actually using hydro hydraulics in instead. Uh, have you checked this out, Brad? I did. I watched the video, um, and Sean talks about, yes, it's hydraulic. It's obviously got some sort of return spring in there. Um, you know, he's... He was he he liked it. Um, for him, he considers himself a very heavy breaker or has a hard break. I mean, I'd rather a hard throttle. Um, so he felt like it, it was helping him. Myself, I, I don't know. I'm a little leery on this. Um, you know, you, most your throttles is either going to be you know we it, most your your pedals you buy it's going to be a spring. Um, you know, return on it in a car, you know, in a race car, it's, it's going to be, it's typically, it's going to be a cable driven or rod driven, um, you know, throttle. So, uh, you know, he liked the way that it, the return of it was, but I don't know, for me, I don't think, I don't think I would like this. When I come off the gas, I want the gas to come off immediately. I don't want any sort of slow return when it comes off the gas. Um, and when I get on the gas, I, I want immediate response. I don't want a ton of resistance. You know, I, I want to play with the throttle to do what I want to do. So, um, you know, he said, is it a must? Absolutely not. You know, it's about 140 bucks, but it may be a good upgrade for the P1000s from some magic. Um, you know, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. Well, on my on my sim coaches pedals, as I worked on them, I I used to run a high damper, but even the pneumatic damper, I didn't like the, the fact that it was kind of a slow return, or even sluggish when you were pushing it down as well. Um, and uh, one of the great things about working with Lawrence is he basically helps me custom helps all of us that are regular customers do anything and customize and he even sends us custom parts sometimes. And I actually have a, my own spring that I put in there that I bought at a hardware store that's that's way thicker now and i just turned the damper off and so it, it does have a super quick response time when i come off the throttle now but it's stiff enough that it, i don't have to worry ab about stomping on it too hard uh particularly in the cup car with no traction control so 140 bucks and i questioned the whole video why do you need this and I mean, he described it in a way that kind of makes sense. Like I'm a little erratic on the throttle. I, you know, like I push it in too, too quick or I, more than I should have, or uh, I let off more than I should have. And, and, and this, this product basically smooths that out. It makes it where my, my movement on the throttle isn't as erratic. And so, uh, you know, I can kind of see maybe it could be helpful for that, but for me personally, I don't know that I would do this. Well, the other part he brought up, and I agree with 100%, I think you're just, you're, you're putting another piece of equipment in there with the opportunity to fail. Um, I know Sim Magic tests these quite extensively, but springs, for the most part, don't fail. Um, anything that's hydraulic or, or it's damper driven, there's always an opportunity for something to go wrong. 
can't really think of many situations where you have to be worried about how smooth you are coming off the throttle. You almost always completely lift. It's it's mostly mostly on the downside where it matters. Well, I, I've ordered mine, so I'll let you know how it works out. <laughs> so, and the the reason I did though, it wasn't because of uh, you know he mentioned it was good for him because he's a little too heavy on the throttle coming off the corners. But the thing that he said that attracted me to it was it's easier to hold uh, the throttle in a certain position. You know, you don't, with these springs, uh, man, my foot's moving back and forth a little too much. And he said, this is really good to hold, hold it where you want it. So that's why I'm buying this thing. So John, last night I was telling you, hold the throttle 80% in the pack. So that's what you're talking about, where you can narrow it in. Okay, I'm going to hold it steady at 80%. That's exactly it. That That's why I'm getting it. I don't, I, you know, I don't really have a problem pushing it too hard coming out. It's I have trouble holding the throttle steady. And he said this will help that. So uh, I'm going to contribute to the 9.9 .9 billion sim industry market. <laughs> so, so is this work on the P2000 as well? Um, it, it does not. No, it's one thousand only. Hydraulic. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, standard or inverted. Okay, so just the one thousand. I'm. I'm kind of. I, I think it's kind of weird that the P two thousand doesn't seem to have some of these things that the one thousand does. You know what I mean? I thought the two thousand was like the hydraulic upgrade, but, well, but yet it doesn't have the inversion and it doesn't have this. Uh, so when they, I remember watching a video when they released the P1000, that the thing that they were really, um, you know, promoting was the amount of uh, customization and stuff that was coming with that pedal set um, versus the P2000. So, you know, I think they were looking for something that's going to be completely modular, um, you know, and you could continue to do different things to it. So I'm impressed watching these pedals, John. I think you made a good choice. Yeah, I, I'm happy. I don't. I have no regrets. All right. Next thing we can talk is the Formula pedal pads. It's a, a release of a bunch of 3D wrap, or it's from 3D wrap, and it's a bunch of Formula pad pedal pad replacements for various sets of pedals. Yeah, take your pick. I mean, they got a lot of different versions. As you scroll the pictures here on the Instagram, um, flat. They have some that are got a concave curve to them. It uh, looks like maybe even different materials. These are obviously 3D printed. Uh, but look, if you're looking for a, a, a certain kind of pedal face, this might be a solution. Yeah, and they cover, I mean, just a ridiculous amount of different pedal types from Moza to Thrustmaster to Fanatec to, you know, Logitech to almost everyone. Yeah, and so one idea, you know, is extreme realism you know mirror your a single seater car experience so like if you're trying to you know make your pedals look like a particular car you know like oh the throttle has a real long elongated base and the and the other two are square or whatever i mean they have something for you pretty cool i gotta say the next title uh for our next article is kind of ironic because if you're looking for a will uh, you probably we have the opposite problem is there's too many wheels right so it's like looking for which wheel right so here we have another wheel what do you think brian 
Yeah, this is the Myaris 2 Rexing Formula Wheel. Um, it's a carbon fiber, fiber uh, formula steering wheel. Uh, it's RBG, illuminated push buttons, 10 RGB backlit buttons. Uh, you can configure them for functions and tele telemetry data changes. Uh, it's, it's a very nice looking wheel. Um, it's... Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's got uh, triple clutch pedals, uh, paddles. So uh, it's 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 high end. It's the screen is is a large size. I'm not sure exactly what size uh, L, uh, LCD screen is, but it's a big one. It's thin. I, I like how it's not real thick, and then even on the the top and edges of it, it's it's also layered carbon fiber. This is a high end wheel, guys. This is one of the high end ones. 1360 euro plus VAT. Not yep, cheap. That's, there you go. <laughs> so, David, you brought up a good point. I mean, we've there are a ton of these things out, and every week a new one. How, I mean, if, you, if you're a formula guy, how, how do you decide which wheel to pick? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I... Mine was mostly chosen for me because I got a free one when my direct drive got backward for four months. Um, mine, my cube control. Look, I saw several years ago, Lando Norris, the Formula One driver, uh, sim racing with a cube controls uh, version one wheel. And I'm like, I'm going to buy that wheel. And so that's why I bought it, actually, because but it's the second version. And uh, but but look, I, it caught my eye from way from from Lando. That's the reason I kind of picked that one. But but look, since I bought my wheel, there's been an explosion of new wheels out. And so I don't think I would pick the same today if I was buying today. If I had to buy one, if this one messes up at some point, I'm just going to look for something. The pedal or paddle configuration like this. I want I want three paddle choices because I actually use the upper paddles to control aspects of sports cars, particularly if I'm in a hybrid car. Um, and then I just pay attention to the button and, and knob layout and try to get the one. I think that's most optimal. So I want to throw this question to Brad, Brad, last week we talked about that really inexpensive Moza formula wheel. Um, and it was with the chipped carbon fiber and it was like 300 and something dollars super inexpensive when you compare that wheel to this $1,300 wheel they're 90% the same yes they are <clears throat> they are 90% the same I mean I, I don't I don't know I, I, I it's what's your budget I mean really how much disposable cash do you have um, a screen's a screen the wheels can turn left, can turn right. I mean, I guess there's some uh, feel to the knobs, the rotaries, and stuff like that. I mean, again, there's there's things I think that would differentiate items, but um, you know, it's it, it's almost I get, look. We we are obsessive when it comes to this stuff, and we've always been that way. You know, it, it's not this is not a new thing. I mean. <laughs> I can remember probably back in 2000, I don't know, 99, 2000, I spent like $400 for a Thomas super wheel. It was unheard of. I mean, it was, it was made in a, in a garage with two springs, but it was the thing that you had to have if you were an oval racer. 
and it was bulletproof, and it was great. But it was ridiculous back then. That's just the way that we are. That being said, uh, the value that you can get on some of the lower ends is, is, is really good. The Club Sport wheel that, that I have has everything except for the display that this wheel has, including the three paddles. And so it, it gets the job done. Yeah, so it's all about what what do you want? How much bling do you want on your rig, right? <laughs> Basically, this is a touch yeah. screen too, so it's a little different. And if you're worried about what it looks like and you're in VR, okay. <laughs> this next one does look pretty neat, though. It's the Simwick Simulators Instagram post about a new button box that'll be available soon. And uh, well, John, tell us about the button box. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just a quick hit video. Uh, Simwork Simulators has put out, uh, and I, it, I'm not even sure what the model is, but it, it it's a small box, doesn't have a lot on it. I mean, it looks nice. Uh, I think this is probably more for your, you know, the, the formula guys or the you know, LMP, GTP guys. Uh, I didn't see a price on it, so i sorry I don't have more info on it, but I'm just not sure. Uh, a lot of the details, it's not available yet, but you can get a little preview on it at SimWorks, which is S-I-M-W-O-R-X. Yeah, the geometry of this one is one that would go on a center console in the front of your gear shift. GT3 car is the look of it. But what's unique about this box is the brake bias knob up above the, the button box. It, they got it kind of independently mounted by itself, uh, above the button box and so that's kind of a unique look of this particular unit it is something they're teasing it's not for sale yet um, but it, they call it a stunning button box i do like that uh, brace brake bias knob at the top and um if if you're in vr it's going to be easy to find which is you know would be a plus for somebody who, who does vr um but yeah i think that's a, that's a nice uh, addition I'm sure we can make this next one a quick hit as well. We got a Delta Sim Tech Wheel that they'll be shipping their Delta Evo NS wheel starting in the next few weeks. And it's an Instagram post and it's a formula wheel with some pretty neon lights. You know, I heard of this company. And uh, when I saw it, I was like, wow, that looks extremely similar to the uh, Sim Magic. Uh, what is it? Uh, NT Geo or whatever we've been talking about a bunch of times. Yeah, it's a, it's, it can be described as a very short or and very wide setup. And it's a thousand twenty-seven dollars. That's pretty high for a screen with no display. You mean a wheel with no screen? Right. That's what I meant to say. Uh, look, yeah, this is not a good value, but I thought we'd mention it. It's a new company I haven't heard of. Um, they're from the UK, apparently. UK seems big on these. Uh... A lot of small independent wheel companies. Yeah. If you can build one, you can put it up for sale kind of thing, right? And that's how a lot of these companies get started. They just sell it on Instagram. You know, they put up a picture and somebody DMs them and and then it goes from there. I'm going to take this next one, David. Uh, there was debate about if we should even talk about this, but I'm going to. Uh, will Ford from Boosted Media. He posted up in the community section of his YouTube channel uh, a post 
explaining some of the difficulty that the hardware review community is having dealing uh, dealing with Fanatec reviews uh, as a result of the continued Fanatec drama. Um, look, Fanatec put out a product this week called the DD Extreme, and it's shipping when the DD Plus that was announced last fall and people bought on Black Friday, they, they still haven't even delivered those. And, and so there's a lot of angst with customers who ordered that product uh, not knowing that uh, an, a, a little bit better product, the Extreme, is going to be released this week. Um, and they're locked into their original orders and whatnot. And so basically what's happening is Will Ford and probably other equipment reviewers are getting messages from viewers saying that they probably shouldn't review Fanatec's equipment. You know, and, and and so I actually thought the same thing after last week when we saw the video with the, the CEO, Tom, and the way that he uh, described how he was going to fix everything. I, you know, I'm not going to promote their new products on our show. I really am not. I'm not going to bring them up and, and, and educate our listeners about them because I don't want our listeners getting scammed from fan attack right now look maybe they'll turn it around in a few months and and we'll talk about them again but right now i don't want people uh, buying their stuff um because they heard it from us and so um will ford is walking a very delicate line i think what do you guys think i think he's trying price. to is he trying to say he's unbiased or is he trying to say he's got to got to put them out anyway because it's that's one of his sources of content yeah, he's going to put them out anyway because it's a, his business. Um, at the end of this, he wrote, Sim Racing Garage and Chris Hayes both stopped producing content in the last 12 months. And from what I understand, in both cases, it was because they simply lost the passion. And and I think Will is just a little upset that he's getting some heat uh, saying that he shouldn't be reviewing these products. Uh this is this is a tough one. Uh, I have I guess I haven't had a chance to really process it um, because yeah he's got to do it as a business or he's got to do it as fun. But at the same time, that's kind of the whole point of of the commenting is they can they can complain about it and and this is not some case where they're just hurling personal insults or or being petty. There's there's legit reasons for a lot of people to be upset with Fanatec right now. I, I agree. There's there's reasons for people to be upset and they should be upset. But as a a product review as a product reviewer, his job is to review the product that they that that is out there. So right or wrong, and it's up to the person that's whether or not they want to buy it or not. I don't think going after Will Ford because he is reviewing a Fanatec item i don't think there, i don't think there's any basis for that i agree with mike 100 percent. i don't think as somebody who was a fan of tech customer years ago and dealt with their horrible support i would never recommend them and that's why i didn't buy anything from them when i got back into racing um but to attack will ford because he's going to review their product and give a whether it's a good review or a bad review he's going to give an honest review that's what i want when i go to look at a review i want someone to give me an honest review good bad indifferent that's what i want because that's going to help me make a decision on what i'm going to buy so i think the middle ground would probably be that he should review it but also 
review the customer service is a part of the review because that that should almost be a factor when you're reviewing a product anyway right and at the end you say this is a don't buy this is a don't buy product or whatever yeah i'm going to read a couple of the first sentences of what we all posted just for flavor quote feeling pretty deflated after pulling my fourth all-nighter this week reading through and responding to comments the abuse we and others have received these past few weeks is extremely disappointing it's particularly interesting to me to read comments from people suggesting reviewers should refuse to review Fanatec products at all while they are having issues, or even comments going as far to suggest that if we cared about the community, we would have disclosed products that were under NDA, which is blatantly illegal. So he's talking about the uh, the fact that they announced this DD Extreme package version of their wheel. Um, when you know they they had, last fall they announced the dd plus as their their big version and then and so all the people that bought the dd plus they thought okay this is the one to get now all of a sudden there's this other one that's the one to get and so they're almost saying well you know you had insider you you knew about the dd extreme and you didn't let us know yeah yeah i don't, I don't blame him i mean he if he can't disclose it he can't disclose it these guys, you know, I, I really appreciate these content creators bringing these reviews to us. But, you know, don't shoot the messenger, people. These guys are just giving you reviews of products. And it's not their fault that companies like Fanatec are screwing the customer, my opinion only. Uh, so keep doing the content. Tell us about it. I want to know what products are out there. But... I wouldn't buy Fanatec to save my life right now. That's, again, just my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but I want to see the products. One of his uh, other paragraphs just backs up what I just said. I agree that he can't break any of the NDAs. But I, and I haven't watched the, the reviews of the Fanatec stuff, but he says it's his, he is responsible to objectively present as much relevant information about the product as possible, including anything the reviewer is aware of t that determines and may impact the ownership experience. So that to me says on these recent reviews, you better be saying something about the customer service. And if he left that part out, I think he's open, leaving himself open to criticism, but I, I'm not sure if he did or not. So one tidbit that came out of this post was, I didn't realize that Sim Racing Garage has disappeared from the scene until he mentioned it, but they have. Brian, I can't remember the last time we saw a Sim Racing Garage review. Yeah, I actually, uh, I've been on his uh, channel a couple of times just to see if anything's been coming up, but it's it's been dormant for a good while now. Yeah, um, I was happy when I started looking at stuff last year that at that point he was still reviewing stuff. Um, I think he's probably one of the best, most detailed guys um, and help. You know, he's been around forever. Uh, well, quite disappointed that he's not doing stuff anymore. All right. Well, let's just move on to a review that is out there. Uh, excuse me, uh, Brad, we got some haptic pedals. Yep. So we've got um, a release from Mistral Haptic Pedals. Um, I didn't get a chance to look at this. I'll be really honest with you. Um, but from P P one SIM, um, again, haptic seems to be the way that everything is, is starting to go. Um, I meant to look at this when I was editing the script and I did not, I failed. Sorry. It's uh, $596. They're a company from France. 
their previous pedal set was known for kind of these flaring angles of the pedals as they go up. They're not like straight up and down. They kind of have a curve to them. And even the pedal faces have a kind of an artistic look to them. Uh, and, and these are no different. And, and you also have a variety of colors you can pick. Um, so it's a black set of pedals, but the colors are for the, the small uh, pieces that go on it. And so um, you can get those in purple, yellow, red, blue, green, and so forth. Um, what's unique about these two is the haptics is built into the actual pedal itself somewhere. Like, you, like uh, when you look at the Sim Magic P1000s, they got this big old honking piece on the back of the pedal for the haptics. You don't see that on these pedals at all. They're, they're not there, but the haptics are in the pedals somehow. Uh, Dave liked them. He had no problem with them. Um, he thought they were a pretty good value for the money. You know, um, yeah. I'll take this next one. Uh, we had a listener uh, on Discord, Melv, give us a, uh, some clarity on what we talked about last week. Um, he said, hi, all. I heard you mention about the Ghost Sim pedals. These are actually SimJack Pros that have been rebranded and updated with modifications, bearing mods and better elastomers. The base SimJack pedals are awesome, and with a, few, with a few small tweaks are even better. I've done some videos on the stock SJ pedals and also a few mods that are available on my YouTube channel uh, and so on. And so, uh, yeah, I had no idea that the Ghost Sim pedals were a, a rebrand of a, the SimJack. Another, on another note, we've got a listener who has a channel. Have we watched the, watched any of that? Have we started using try to use his content, Sim? No, I haven't seen his channel yet. I did uh, subscribe, I believe. Yeah, but I haven't seen any video from it. That would be a really good opportunity to collaborate between the channel and the show. Well, you can't. You got to take the next one, Mike, because because you're the wind guy. Yeah, there's a nice wind sim uh, for sale uh, from Grizzly Sim Engineering. They show off their high-end wind system on Instagram. They call it uh, the high-end wind system for racing simulation. Um, it's controlled via Sim Hub uh, for speed-dependent speed or constant airflow. Powerful and quiet. And there is a, a website for this. And they're 79 euros. So, well, that's if, well, wait a minute. So if you get a, the control box and two fans, it's actually 208 euros, which is actually pretty affordable. All right. I, I've been wanting to ask about this because I, I guess I need some help. What is the benefit of wind? So Mike, it's just I, a personal air conditioner. <laughs> That's my thought. I just I'm trying to understand the, what's the purpose of having a wind sim, especially in a, yeah, in a it, closed cockpit. Yes, what the hell? Arizona, it's hot. Yeah, yeah I like it because it's yeah. blowing on my face. Okay, so that's one well, thing. Can't you go to Walmart and get a fan? Yeah, but but look, these are computer fans that are right above my left and right monitor of my triples, and they're angled down 45 degrees, and they hit me right in the face. And so, um, so I found wait, that they wait, have wait, to wait, be wait, really whoa, close. Whoa, 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 whoa. So, like, do they increase as you drive faster? Do they slow down when you slow down? What does it do? Yes. Yes, yes they do. So, it's based <laughs> on your speed. 
And if you got two of them, you can you can do left and right where where it changes in turning as well. Stop it. It does. So last night, you know, at Daytona. (laughs) Look at look at Daytona. They're just running a hundred percent. Okay, but when when you're at a road course or or even a a small oval where you're slower in the corners and faster on the straights it throbs you know oh it goes slow and, and, and then it goes fast hey and this is why simcube says we're going to spend 9.99 billion dollars that's right so look there's more to it than cooling it's there's the sound of it okay so Do you have racing so as I'm racing, I got the speakers blaring the engine sound. I got voice in my ear set. And then I hear the sound of this wind blowing on my face. And as the car is going faster, that's increasing. And 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 I I don't know how to describe it, but the sound of the wind mixed with the sound of the car engine and everything, it just feels different. It feels more airy or three-dimensional, I guess is a way to say it. So there's a sound aspect to it that I like. You're making this up, right? No, it, I like it actually. <laughs> it, now, it also now, does look, help with VR. If you're if you're wearing VR goggles, they can get a little uh, hot in your, especially in the summer, um, and it helps with that. But as far as temperature control, like he said, you could buy a damn ten dollar fan. Yeah, you're right. It's not as now. Close. The way I have it is. Kyle Pendigraft uh, helped me put together an Arduino board and uh, and then, you know, you just wire the fans to it and you wire a power supply to it and so forth. And uh, then you hook it into the SimHub software and, and it works. And so, uh, yeah, I'm happy with it. I mean, the way the Arduino board and the wires are, everything's a little fragile with the kit I have. Something like this is a little more ideal, man. It's got the really nice cable screw-on connectors. It's got a a proper mount for the fan, so you can mount it like a like I do above the the monitor, you know, pointing down. Pretty cool. Plus, I have um, on mine. I have uh, the scented candles that blows through. So uh, it's got the. The burning rubber, burning rubber candle and the and the fuel can rubber. I am, I am I am I am so dumb with both of you. you you're a novice. That's okay. It's all right. You learn. Okay. <laughs> so since you brought up the scented candles, Brian, you got to take the next one. <laughs> I got to get one of these. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a product or what. But this is a this is a video from a guy called uh jr racing tv and he has a burnout simulator so he's doing a burnout on his sim and smoke is just billowing out from underneath his rig it is awesome it's completely pointless but it's amazing i don't know if what kind of smoke smoke generator it is for sure but it's awesome you gotta get one i don't now somebody was asking if there was a connection you know if uh sim hub supports something like this i don't i don't think they do um, I don't know if this guy created his own uh, software for it, but it's it's got to come out the market so I can buy one, so I can add to that $9 million uh, market, whatever it is now. This would be too pretty easy to recreate. Look, I used to be in hotel audiovisual, and we would do commercial smoke machines for our shows. Uh, and you just put a fan in front of it and, and, and you have a wire with a button, you know, a plunger basically. So I would guess he just has a button to turn it on and off. 
Um, but I don't know. This is a little over the top. This is not something I would do, but it looks pretty cool. My problem is I never win, so I don't do burnouts ever. <laughs> this reminds me of the, remember the, the video of the kid who, when he would win the race, he had started his own personal rave in his room. Yes. And, and the lights and the sirens would go off and the music and everything. He was actually playing an FPS game, but, but still the concept applies. All right, let's jump to results. Okay, let's talk Daytona 500. We'll start with Bobby Jonas, our teammate. He won it, boys. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. You know, I had no idea that he was going to win. He was so quiet on the radio. I didn't even know he was in. He was still racing. Uh, honestly, when I was done racing, I was looking for someone to spot, and I probably would have picked Bobby if I'd known he was running so well. But uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he won the race. Well done, Bobby. Uh, John P twenty three. Yeah, uh, let's not talk about me. I'll just keep talking about Bobby. No, I, so P twenty three. I didn't even decide to run this race till five minutes before it started. I I should have not run it it was awful started p5 i had a fast car it was good ran great caution free the first 37 laps and then after that 12 cautions i missed the first two but from there on i must have had a bullseye on my ass because everybody just wanted to hit john uh, i had a lap car switch lanes and throw me up into the wall got rear-ended three times checking up for rex uh, and then Finally, the guy ahead of me kept blocking me, I and mean, it was blatant, and hit me, ruined my nut. I got DQ'd, 25 damage points. I did not cause one of those, not one, but I was out. But I did have fun running with teammate. Tony Rochette was in my race. We got to hook up a few times, talked in team chat, which was a big help. I learned a lesson on this one, guys. I might as well hang back the first 150 laps, because otherwise you're going to get in it. And that's the only way for me to avoid the madness. I know people say that's a bad idea. Plenty of chances uh, to catch up when you're running in the back because there's going to be cautions. I know people don't like that strategy, but I, in my split, I don't know what else to do. Uh, one comment on this. A lot of people say, well, if you're getting that much damage, it's your fault. You're the common denominator. No. I, anybody who thinks that's true, you watch me during a race and you tell me that there's something I could have done to avoid this. There's no way. That's not that's not a valid argument. I agreed. Now there is a write-up for Bobby, so I'm gonna go back to Bobby. He said started P2, led laps early on, knew we had a solid rocket under us, led a total of 65 laps, lots of long green flag runs, multiple stops under a green, really made for small packs with some good help. Um, we stayed on the lead lap. The two main groups were offset on stops by about 15 laps. Yellow, with about 30 or so to go, brought everyone back together. A series of quick yellows worked our way back up to the front after getting some small damage repaired. Wreck on the white lap, lap split the pack into small pieces. The first guy and me got, away, got way out front. Lucky for me, third was able to miss the wreck and steam coming towards us. Uh, timed the block and moved high for him to push me out in front for the win. 
have to say thanks to D Clan Deborah for da drafting with me almost the entire race. Ian White and Zachary King for helping during the middle and the end. Ian was the one that pushed me for the win. Zach was multiple laps down due to the connection problem. He re reconnected and pushed Ian and me. Even stopped on pit road when he didn't need to, making sure our small draft pack stayed together. All right, Brad. Brad, how about P11? Yeah. Um, it started fifth um was happy with the qualify qualifying kind of ran in the top 10 we were at a caution early but it was pretty tame um got a little bit off on pits on on pit uh pit stops about five of us stayed out probably should have pitted so we were kind of short pitting um under an early yellow uh ended up with a long green flag run but by the time we got through two-thirds of the race um it just turned into a typical daytona it was wreck after wreck um guys just i mean literally leaders running somebody just hooks him um you know we finally get caution get back on the right cycle um you know and then somebody gets turned up front get a little bit of damage right after that's when mike jumped in and uh you know i think i was p3 on the final green white checkered um kind of got swallowed up a little bit but had a good i think i had an opportunity but just got stuck in the middle guy about turned me off a of four um went back and looked at the replay of that and just couldn't believe i saved it the car was completely sideways um you know just uh i was hoping for a top 10 ended up with 11th um i'll take it um good start to the season so you know uh went better than i thought it was gonna go to be honest with you yeah, I was watching above. I remember you left just the smallest, not even a half of a car length gap uh, on the bottom. And this guy was coming and he was going to shove it in there one way or the other. And and you saw it and you actually moved up to avoid an accident, I think. But then that relegated you to the middle and then you were a sitting duck. Yeah, I wanted to finish. I, I really didn't want to end up on a, on a hook. And you know what? If you had blocked that move, you might have been wrecked. So you, so it was probably best, and you got some points out of it. Tony Rochette, P13, NIS is back, bitches. Starting on the front row with the 2023 Chubby Burb on a dark horse Mustang, got to the lead on the back and led the first 12 laps, then fell back because leading is for losers. <laughs> Did get caught in avoiding few people's spins, but the crew did an awesome job patching it up with no damage. Uh, then with 10 to go, was on the outside, had a lapper hit me harder than a toddler at Kmart and sent me into the wall and just about killed the car, but I still maintain lead lap, so there's that. Here's to the 2024 NIS season. David, P9. Yeah, could have been worse, could have been better. I ran with the lead pack the whole time, led a few laps, had a car that could lead. Um, uh, running with a lot of guys that I was actually familiar with, so uh, or we, we've learned to trust each other, and I know y'all have had some nightmares in some of the lower splits, but we mostly had a clean race um, until a lap car that was multiple laps down started forcing everybody three wide up in the lead pack because he still had a clean car. I guess he was down because of penalties or something, but he caused cautious twice and then, and, and then would go over and take a wave around, so he was almost protestable but i recently won't let you protest stupid um got caught up in two big ones first time fixed most of the damage and was still competitive second time it was uh six minutes of damage with a 30 second meatball but i was I, since it was only 30 seconds i was able to come out for the for the green white checkered and just lift it home in ninth because because the the wreck happened in the front i was running like 
pit when when the wreck happened, um, and it just took us all out. So limped it, limped it home at nine. So I'll call it a good points day. Um, it could have done better, but uh, I'm not extremely frustrated. Had a lot of points. So uh, my run DNF. I was running uh, around tenth, around lap twenty. And there was a huge checkup. I plowed the guy and he spun hard right into the wall. I felt bad about that. Um, I actually got no damage for that incident. After that, I kept getting run into from behind on these checkups and ended up with 16X by lap 77. I only had 37 seconds damage. Um, at one point, Greg tried to, tried to get in behind me and we got I got turned on a net code. Uh, that gave me a drive-through penalty under green flag. Uh, one minute, 30 seconds optional. I was able to catch a caution before I got lapped and stayed on the lead lap. I got another 4X up to 24 incidents and a simple checkup again. And then uh, 57 to go, restarted off of a caution, started uh, on, on starting turn two, got ran over from behind with 38 to go and just discode out or disconnected out or whatever you want to call it it was very frustrating just like john i don't feel like any of these are my doing i was up on the wheel watching for these check marks like i wasn't asleep at the wheel uh look i i don't know i gotta do something different this next race i gotta like john said maybe i'm gonna wait around the back or something but or i'm not gonna be in the pack right against people on the bottom because that's where i i got all those incidents all right, I guess other racing we'll talk about. I ran a Chris McGuire hosted car of tomorrow at Talladega. I got wrecked out lap one, and then I ran a supercars at Michigan P9. And then, John, you did some Draftmaster. Yeah, I did a couple of those. Got a P4. Um, had, a, had a race where the top four, were the, we were the only guys who didn't wreck. That was a pretty good race. Then I had another one, P17. Uh, that race had a rogue driver that, that was just killing everybody, including me. Uh, of course, as is usually the case, the guy that did that finished in the top 10. All right, and then A open, John P26. Yeah, I mean, I, the setup wasn't that good in that race. I got taken out three times, and, and you know, when that happened, I just couldn't keep up with the pack, so just, just a poor race. And Brad, P14. Yeah, started P2, ran up front uh, most of the race. Just, again, I guess 70-lap race, just stupid aggressive from the very beginning. I mean, it, lap seven, we're three and four wide coming off of two. Just makes no sense. Um, ended up getting spun off turn two. You know, went through all the grass down there. Ended up having to pit by myself. Um, ended up getting a lucky dog. You know, I fought my way back up to the front, and then we end up with a wreck right at the front. End up having to back off to avoid it, get separated. Um, end up getting caught up with another pack, the third group. End up getting caught up with them, get a good run towards the front. Uh, coming to the trial, I posted that video in the chat to you guys. You know, the guys just screaming and yelling, I'm going to protest you when he came down, you know, almost a full lane and took both of us out. Um, you know, just a, a frustrating end. Should have had a better finish than what I did, but I ran that one just really just trying to get a, a handle on what Wednesday night was going to be like. Right, and then uh, John, B open, C open. Yeah, I did the B open in Daytona this week. Uh, was running really good, good car, a lot of a lot of carnage as usual. Um, 
you know the these xfinity cars are really easy to drive but if, uh, for reasons i don't understand people just can't keep a straight line and so you know i'll do another one all right brian you had a c open yeah so uh i didn't qualify it was a daytona in the trucks um started towards the Towards the back, but I actually moved up pretty quick. I was on the outside lane in the second car back when uh, the car on the left of me got hooked and like slammed me into the wall. I had like 30 seconds of, of uh, required damage and like four minutes of op optional. <clears throat> so I just got as much damage as I could fix, get fixed, stayed on the lead lap. I was off pace. I lost the draft, but another caution came out. Again, just went in, worked on the car, stayed on the lead lap. And until finally a, a, a caution came out and I finished up all of my damage on the last caution that was going to be a green-white checker. So, you know, I started at the rear of the field, which at the point was uh, 17th place. And uh, it just got crazy in front of me, man. That was started, green-white checker started at 17th. Next thing I know, we're going on the last turn. I'm pushing the car for a truck in front of me for fourth place. I get around them and finish P3, P3 in the race, which was embarrassing. But... Uh, um, consider all the damage that I had and, and and the amount of cars were in front of me. It was just an ugly finish, but I'll take a P3. What the heck? Oh, that shows you. You need to stay in these races, even when you're wrecked, because you can still get a podium. Yep. Yeah, you, you jumped into the uh, to the to the service, and uh, I was sitting in pit road getting fixed. I was like, that's oh, not going well, Mike. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm, I'm finishing P3, so whatever. Right, and then you got OBRL. Yeah, so OBRL, the ARCA series started back up uh, for a new season Monday, so I hopped in that since a new season started. 35 car field, nice solid field. Um, I, I qualified 17th, finished 16th. Um, pretty much stayed in the middle of the pack. I didn't really want to push things too hard because really it's a month. this is the first race i've been in obrl for months so i just wanted to be cool um you know i actually wound up getting up to 11th place at one point and then uh, towards the very end of the race some cars spun in front of me i got a little bit of front end damage but um not not terrible but um wound up dropping a few places and finished 16th so it was still still a really good race all right very good let's jump to final thoughts david hall not a whole lot. Glad the season's in, and I'm glad to see Tafosi having so many people on. Uh, it seems like there was a just a crazy amount of us interested in the racing this this time of year. So that it, nice and healthy, and nice to see a lot of fresh faces. It actually makes chat a little bit less feel like I got to pull everybody along to get to participate. So it's been nice seeing a lot of other guys be active and interested. Yeah, our team is just hitting on all cylinders. Let's just call it that. I mean, everybody is is got a very positive attitude, and and uh, it, yeah, it, it's a really good chemistry right now. So yeah, I'm liking it myself. Uh, Brad Wren, final thought. Uh, glad to get. Uh, I'll take a top eleven. You know, P eleven and the five hundred. I'm good with that. I'm just excited to get the NIS started. Um, Look forward to getting past these two weeks. Not a huge fan of draft tracks. Just not my cup of tea. Um, you know, enjoying the uh, the team. It's good to like follow up what David said. It's nice to see a bunch of guys engaged. Um, 
you know, chit chat and sharing ideas. So, um, you know, really just looking forward to the, the full NIS season and excited what we're going to do. Um, got a bunch of guys, I think, uh, have a good opportunity to bring some uh, championships home this year. So that's what I'm looking forward to. All right. Very good. Brian McCubbin, final thought. Yeah. So, uh, if you, you know, so I just gave my results and, uh, dude, this is the first, these are the first races I've been in with all the computer problems I've had in last year since like late, late summer, early fall. So these are the first uh, official races and the first uh, league race I've been in in months. And it's so nice to be back in it. Everything's running, running really well, knock on wood. Um, and it's it's so much so much fun. I missed it so bad, um, but I'm, I'm glad to be back. Glad to be starting up a new season fresh, and uh, and I'm glad I got everything taken care of. All right, glad to have you on track, John Curley. Final thought. Yeah, so this is exciting for me. I'm the new kid on the block, so this is going to be my first full NIS season. First season with a team that is really it's like you said running on all cylinders. Uh, I have had a bad week, but that's that's behind me. This weekend, going to run a couple more 500s, and I'm going to get a good finish. That's right. Stay positive. It can happen. Uh, that's that's my final thought too. I'm I'm good at these tracks, you know, and I'm not you know overstating that. I think you know my record speaks for itself. So I should be able to pull out a win or at least a, a top three or a top five or something. But I got to have some luck and I got to figure out how to avoid that checkup. I, I mean, that has been something I didn't expect last night. We've had checkups in previous years, but not like it was last night. It was just extreme, it seemed like. So uh, if I can get past that, I think we're going to have something for them. So, hey, with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.